next week. Goodbye. And stay classy. RT8K News. It's one o'clock, I'm Julian Quayle. The top story is medical unions demand action to stop what they say is rampant bullying in public hospitals. Canada sacks its ambassador to Beijing over its comments on the Ming Huazhao case and the government says it is preparing to build a database of information on Hong Kong's children. More than 30 medical workers have protested outside the hospital authorities' headquarters, demanding that it stamps out what they say is rampant bullying in public hospitals. The Hospital Authority Workers' General Union says many rank-and-file staff are treated unfairly by their superiors, including received ba- receiving biased performance reviews, which may hurt their prospects for promotion. Its chairman, Dr Lam Kuhn, says the authority must implement robust anti-bullying policies to prevent further harm to staff morale, which is already being undermined by a heavy workload. I think it should make clear that uh, they have zero tolerance to uh, any bullying in the workplace. This is to be a top-down policy, because uh, if uh, it is not a top-down policy, then we cannot have it achieved. And it should ensure a workplace that is uh, uh, fair, transparent, and the staff can work with uh, dignity and with uh, uh, security, so that we can give 100% of our efforts concentrate on patient care service. Meanwhile, the authorities' chairman, John Leung, says there's no quick way to resolve a shortage of manpower at public hospitals. He was responding to complaints from doctors who said they faced a heavy workload amid a recent surge in flu cases. More than 100 doctors joined a rally yesterday to relay their concern to the management. Dr Leung said the authority would hire as many outside doctors as possible to reduce the burden in the short term. The Canadian ambassador to China has been sacked after repeatedly making controversial comments about the detention in Canada of the Huawei executive Ming Wanzhou. The Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said he had asked John McCullum to resign. Ms Meng, Huawei's chief financial officer, is facing extradition to the United States. Joanna Chu of the Vancouver Star newspaper was the journalist who first reported the ambassador's remarks. It's unprecedented for a very, very senior diplomat for his own comments to lead to his resignation. Canada in the past has been saying, Trudeau has been saying that this is a matter for the courts. It's a rule of law issue. Um, U.S. and Canada have an extradition treaty. So no matter how many, um, say, Canadians China detains, it doesn't change the fact that Canada is a rule of law country and the courts have to deal with the extradition issue. Um, But to me, he used the word deal. Um, So it seems... His personal opinion, at least, seems to be that this is a political issue. The Welfare Secretary, Lord Chi Kuang, says officials will study how to build a centralised database of information on children in the SAR. Writing on his blog, the minister said such a database would help officials improve policymaking and consolidate information held in different formats by various departments. The study will start in the third quarter of this year and should take a year and a half to complete. Police have arrested 19 drivers on suspicion of offering illegal car hire services following an undercover operation across Hong Kong. Officers posed as passengers and hired the vehicles via websites, smartphone apps and phone calls. In New Tetris South alone, officers hired four private cars and five vans to various destinations, with the longest journey going from Shunwan to Huizhou in Guangdong. Officers say the vehicles did not have permits or suitable insurance. To international news, police in the Philippines say at least 19 people were killed and nearly 50 wounded after two bombs exploded outside a cathedral in the country's south this morning. 
The first blast came during Sunday Mass on the island of Jolo, the second as emergency services arrived. The island is known as the stronghold of Islamic militants. The attack comes days after voters accepted a proposal to create a Muslim-majority autonomous region in the country's south. Meanwhile, cabinet ministers in the Philippines have joined local government workers and volunteers at the start of a clean-up around Manila Bay. The natural harbour has become highly polluted. The BBC's Howard Johnson has this report. The stench of untreated sewage lingered in the air as thousands of volunteers fanned out along Manila Bay. Armed with rakes, brushes and rubbish bags, teams tiptoed past streams of grey effluent to begin the onerous task of cleaning up this once popular tourist spot. Hundreds of tonnes of rubbish and human waste washes up in the bay every year. Today's action was ordered by strong-armed President Rodrigo Duterte. Last year, he closed down the Philippines' most popular island, Boracay, for six months, describing it as a cesspit. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. Back locally, education sector lawmaker Epkin Yun has urged the government to reduce the risk of flu outbreaks in schools by reviewing its vaccination programme. Officials announced on Thursday that all kindergartens and childcare centres would close a week ahead of the Lunar New Year holiday to stop the spread of flu. Speaking on RTHK's letter to Hong Kong, Mr Ip said better prevention work could stop schools from being hit by flu year after year. If the government does a good job in flu prevention leading to less people being infected or requiring hospital admission, the resources saved may be greater than the annual expenditures on the purchase and distributions of vaccines. The medical staff may not have to suffer every year and school campuses need not become heavily hit disaster areas year after year. Therefore, responsibility falls on the government to comprehensively review the effectiveness of the various vaccination schemes and set targets. A Democratic Party campaigner says the police should set up a dedicated team to tackle unlicensed practicing of medicine. Ramon Yun, a district councillor, made the call after working with a woman who fell ill following a cosmetic injection from a Taiwanese doctor whose name she could not find in the local medical register. Mr Yun says he's unhappy that the police didn't try to stop the doctor from leaving Hong Kong and believes officers with specialist knowledge are needed. This team actually responsible for different cases like alcoholic license, uh, like the lawyer's reporting or many other cases. So you can imagine that they do not have sufficient medical knowledge or related knowledge. So I believe uh, the police actually they should assign a specific team with the support of the Department of Health to teach them or train them with uh, sufficient medical knowledge. To sport now, and local cycling star Sarah Lee will go for gold again in Chongquangou today, this time in the Kerin. Lee took her fourth World Cup title in the sprint yesterday, her first victory at her home velodrome. She and teammate Jessica Lee both made it through the first round of the Kerin this morning. The second round takes place this afternoon with the final tonight. There's a new multiple champion at the top of women's tennis. Naomi Osaka has become the first Japanese player to win the Australian Open, beating Petra Kivtova over three sets in Melbourne. The victory follows her US Open success, and with back-to-back Grand Slam titles, she becomes world number one. Here's the BBC's Richard McElroy. Grand Slam finals rarely need an edge added, but the winner of the Women's Australian Open would rise to number one in the world rankings. 
For 21-year-old Naomi Osaka, that would be a rapid ascent to the top, showing her US Open triumph in September was no one-off. For Petra Kvitova, victory was much more about a return to the top of a game she thought she may never play again. The Czech's game has recovered from the stab injuries to her racket hand that she suffered while fighting off a knife attacker at her home just over two years ago. And it took her into a tie-break with Osaka. But the Japanese player was showing no signs of weakness herself and after 51 minutes took the first set. The response from Kvitova showed her instinct to fight was as strong as ever. But an early break was matched by Osaka and then another came her way. Four games in a row, the US Open champion had the Australian title within reach. Yet Kvitova fought again. Three championship points saved showed just how much victory means. And she went on from there, breaking Osaka twice to take the second set, 7-5. Osaka had plenty of fight of her own, though, and she set herself up in the third with three more championship points. This time, they wouldn't get away from her, and she won her second successive Grand Slam. Add to that the world number one ranking, and you can see how many are predicting her to be at the top of the game for years to come. While a new star is emerging in the women's game, two familiar names go head-to-head -head in the men's final this evening. Top seed Novak Djokovic takes on second seed Rafael Nadal. To cricket, where part-time off-spinner Roston Chase was the unlikely hero, he took eight wickets for 60s. The West Indies routed England by 381 runs in the first test at the Kensington Oval in Barbados. Set an improbable 628 to win, England were dismissed for 246 in the final session of the fourth day as the West Indies celebrated their third biggest ever test win in terms of runs. To end the news, the top stories once again. Medical unions demand action to stop what they say is rampant bullying in public hospitals. Canada sacks its ambassador to Beijing over his comments on the Meng Wanzhou case. And the government says it is preparing to build a database of information on Hong Kong's children. The news from RTHK. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a journey by a journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. Try not to sing out of key. Yeah. Oh, baby. How 